welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to episode 18 of Podcast Room 303. We are recording live Monday, August 3rd, 2020. Shout out El Paso. I'm your host, Jermaine Colon Mendez, and this is your co-host, Nicholas Moran. Everybody, that was a really that was a kind of weird shout out. You haven't shouted out El Paso yet. Did El Paso do anything special? Well, it's the one year anniversary of the shooting in uh, El Paso with the twenty three dead at Walmart. Yeah. Oh well, look at me being the asshole. All right, shout out El Paso. <laughs> yeah, I was like, he's gonna be mad when he asks me why. I Super. <laughs> and because you laughed at the same Super. time. Super great. <laughs> Hey, welcome back to Podcast 303. I'm resident asshole Nick Morahan. <laughs> when you chuckled, I was just like, oh, he's not going to like oh, that. Oh, here it comes. <laughs> watch, Nick, watch out for that. Meow, <laughs> meow. Ooh, bold strategy, Kai. Let's see how that pays oh, off. <laughs> you're going to get a number of that bus that just hit Nick. <laughs> how are how the hell are you, Jermaine? Hey, so I got to I got to do a little bit of a little bit of man love for my co-host over here. Jermaine, although the the uber talented voice that you hear next to you doesn't just podcast, he's not just a professional podcaster. He is also a comic book designer, producer. What do you what would you say? Uh, editor and writer. Oh, I so I missed it completely. Got it. <laughs> so you're you're a uh, comic uh, editor and writer. All right. If you guys haven't seen it on Jermaine's page, Jermaine has a comic book that he's writing right now. They just released uh, page one of the comic, and it looks amazing. I am a sucker. Both Jermaine and I are suckers for history. The The comic book is called The Immortal Asadi. Look it up. Jermaine's doing it with a couple of his buddies. It looks awesome. It sounds awesome. It's a myth. It's basically a mythical take on Persian history, which we don't know a lot about because the Greeks wrote everything about about the Persians that we know. Herodotus is a is a great Greek writer, and he wrote everything about the Persians. But we really don't know a lot about him because it was very Greek centric, right? Enough of that history stuff. I just want to say, Jermaine, man, love Monday. I love your comic book. I, as soon as I heard about it, I donated as much money as I could to do it. I bought I bought the issue right off the bat. It looks awesome. Check it out. The Immortal Asadi, Jermaine, editor, writer, all around all around beefcake of a man. <laughs> Hunkasaurus Rex. Just just <laughs> Quadosaurus Rex over here. And that's that that concludes my man love Monday, Jermaine. Well, that's much appreciated. Uh uh, unexpected as well. Uh, with that said, before I turn, I, I just had, I just had wreck. to, I just had to turn the podcast. That was that was my idea to be like, oh, hold on, <laughs> let me pull this out of my back pocket. <laughs> hold up, swerve. <laughs> so uh, today's trivia question: Did you hear that? So as the transition, that's good. Yeah, I, you know what? I just say we embrace it. All right, so means lets the people know that a new topic is coming. Yeah. It's we're so uh, conscious of it now, but we can't prevent it. It's just it's ingrained it's in tick. our it's ingrained in our vernacular, and it's just how we move to the next topic. We got we got to put it in the intro. All right, so <laughs> that's a good idea. So the question is, how many multiple 
winners of the MVP NBA MVP award have there been? So because I messed that all up, I'm going to read it again. How many multi-time winners of the NBA MVP award have there been? And in, in honor of Giannis attempting to go back-to-back, bonus question is, how many NBA MVP winners have won back-to-back? Jeez, dude, I really got you. I really got you shook with that man love Monday, didn't I? You weren't expecting that. No, dude, multi times stumbled the hell out of me. Yeah, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> I was like multiple, multiple. So Jermaine keeps Jermaine keeps coming in clutch with that uh, with that trivia joke or a trivia joke. Jeez, I can't even talk either with the with the trivia question. But we we have a great show, obviously a great podcast for you. Jermaine said, "Coming live Monday, we're going to talk." I issued a bold prediction, Jermaine, and I'm going to tell you: ten games are done. I'm going to tell you who's going to win the World Series. Uh, That's right. You're going to talk. First. Yep, I'm going to tell you, and I'm even going to put money on it that this team wins the World Series. All right, we're going to talk a little bit about a curious case of a certain NBA team that you and I both couldn't understand why. Uh, why we didn't really think about them, but we'll discuss that. And then you have a couple of uh, you have a Jermaine Jermaine the GM's take on uh, NBA awards, and then obviously news and find them and cut them. But uh, all right, so Jermaine, do you want to get us started? Sure, absolutely. So we've got a little housekeeping to go through. Uh, it's a better known subject uh, to the fans at home called Nick talks out of his ass, <laughs> and uh, Nick egregiously misspoke on three separate occasions. He was like Peter denying Jesus on the cross when he was referencing the NBA merger. Let him know, Nick. Listen, dude, I'm, I I like to live my life as a baseball player, which means that if I get three right out of 10, I'm, I'm probably destined for a hall of fame career. So if I get three right out of every 10, that's, that's good enough for me. But I, I think I said the NBA merger happened in 66, 72, and then like 75 and I got, and it was like just back, like off the jump, back to back to back. And I missed them all. Yeah. And it was when, when did the NBA, I just still don't know. So it's just going to be a continuing Nick talks out of his ass. When did the merger actually happen? It was 79. Uh, yeah, no, it's 76. <laughs> See, I just missed it again. So I think you said 64, 72, and then uh, I think 80 said, something. I'm and, sure. then you, and then you said 80, which was finally post merger. <laughs> gotta love it oh that's great enough, yeah, bur- so that's, enough burying nick we have plenty of time for that later. oh speak speaking of burying nick I, I i have a couple of qualms with the with the mendez family on this one all right so a couple of podcasts ago i said i didn't like star wars i said i didn't like the new star wars right the fans came out of the woodwork to tell me how much of an idiot i was but no no fan came out as aggressively as Jermaine's older brother, Jerome. And let me tell you, Jerome, you can go take a long walk off a short pier because you relating Star Wars, the video is obviously posted on our Instagram page, Podcast Room 303. You comparing Star Wars to the Colorado Avalanche, I don't get it. The Colorado Avalanche were good and have been good and are good now. Star Wars was good, but is not good now. The Colorado Avalanche have won multiple titles across multiple years. Star Wars was good, and then now stinks. 
It was a so buried, guess what? A buried job of the century, bro. An unnecessary buried job from That's Jerome. That's what we do with Rutgers Mendes. and everyone else on this podcast. No, those are necessary. Rutgers stinks. <laughs> you stink. You don't. You don't get me started, Mister Alex Smith hater. He's a bum. He's All a right. bum. Trent Dilfert right. could beat him <laughs> with don't, his opposite don't, hand. Don't don't don't, don't 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 do not compare. Do not compare Alex Smith hand. to the worst to the worst quarterback to ever win the Super Bowl. Opposite hand, bro. No, 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 no. Dude, the worst quarterback to ever win a Super Bowl is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so, for the people at home that can't see the video, I think that long pause exemplified what face that I just made to Jermaine. Dude, that you like that's one of those comments you say just to troll someone, but you like you can't even be serious saying that unless you're Paul Pierce. Dog, and Paul Pierce, you are not. You have what's called good takes and smart opinions. And you don't just say whatever comes into your mind. Doc, seriously. He is just boo-boo at any analysis ever, bro. It's unbelievable. Uh, so I almost, uh, say, how do I transition without saying so? Uh, in, in, in that regard, in the regards of speaking about the National Football League, Jermaine. You, you could just talk about the next subject. I don't know, dude. You, I, even I'm saying it. So clearly. So. So here we go. In NFL news, right? Jermaine, today, the uh, life imitated art. Of course, what I'm talking about is that Dwayne The Rock Johnson is creating Ballers, the HBO hit series, in real life because he purchased the XFL, the league, for $15 million. was, is there some sort of like Zillow for leagues? Because if I would have known the XFL was fifteen million dollars, I would have put away. I would have. I would have put a group oh, together to buy that, dude. Oh, for sure. That's like, it. All of fifteen. Fifteen is all I got. It like if Can I'm I Jeff Bezos, if I'm, if I'm Jeff Bezos, and I can name it the Amazon presents the XFL, and it's fifteen million dollars. So now my question is the ownership group. I think it was what it was like red. Redbird Capital something bought I'll it. That, I'll get that for you. Keep going. Yeah, I think it was like Redbird Capital. They bought it for fifteen million. So my question is: Does the XFL get saved now? Are they coming back for another year? Is the official team, is the unofficial team of the podcast, the St. Louis Battlehawks, going to dominate being the reborn? Is it being, being reborn, reborn like, like a, a phoenix? Like a phoenix. That's right. The Battlehawks will rise again. Yeah, that's what a battle hawk sounds like, dude. Yeah, <laughs> that was that was battle hawk brought to you by Jermaine. So yeah, so he bought, he bought the XFL and he's living out his real life boss. My question is, does he suit up? How many downs does Dwayne the Rock Johnson play? At least seven. Could he still play? No. You don't think so? No, I don't think so. Dude's big. He is, but. I just don't see it happening. The dude doesn't even wrestle anymore. Like, there's no way he's playing football. Yeah, for sure. The ownership group is Trailblazing Partner. Wow, what oh. a what a what a what a de- descriptor of Danny Garcia and Redbird Capitals Jerry Cardinale. 
There it is. Let's dude. go. Dude. That's you know what that's not? That's not a Nick talks out of his ass segment right there because he nailed it. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> Finally I get that. Remember the baseball player analogy. Yeah. We're gonna suspend you for eight games if you keep messing up so much. Shout out the legend Joe Kelly. Or Antonio Brown. So Antonio, Antonio Brown, yeah. Antonio Brown. So this this apparently killed his market because Russell Wilson was lobbying really hard, apparently for Antonio Brown, and him getting suspended for eight games killed any market that he has. My question is, how soon after his suspension do the Patriots sign him and pair him with Cam Newton? Uh, they don't. They're not signing him again. So who signs him? Man, that is a very very good question. There's a few teams out there Oakland? that that pose. Some very no, dude. That pose some very interesting options. Carolina. So I think that. Uh, so I'm just spitballing here. I think the Washington football team make a good sense. Okay. Be, mainly because they sign troubled players like the Dallas Cowboys all the time. Uh, secondly, the I would, Cowboys. I would no, not the Dallas Cowboys. They've got enough wide receivers. Um, I would say Baltimore. Okay. Baltimore Ravens uh, present an interesting option. I don't really know about Baltimore, just because they they've been putting out all this news about how Hollywood Brown was so injured last year, and this is his year. So I think that they they are trying to make him into a number one wide receiver. Right. I mean, there's two sides of the field though, and. Who's Antonio second Brown. wide receiver? Exactly. You have to ask that question. So Anquan Hollywood- Bolden still? <laughs> Shout out and OG kill him, bro. So Antonio Brown is cousins with Hollywood Brown, right? Hmm. Jim, Jim Harbaugh's a coach who is well, well enough off, like Mike Tomlin, the saint that he is, to coach him. And – Lamar Jackson has gone on the record saying he'd love to play with Antonio Brown. So that that makes a lot of sense. Another team that presents a very interesting uh, scenario would be the San Francisco 49ers. Oh, because they just lost Goodwin. So they traded Goodwin. Dante they just Pettis, lost Deep. Debo Samuel, yeah. Debo, Debo Samuel, Samuel just, opt, just opted out. Yeah. No, no, he got hurt. He, oh, did did, he? he didn't opt out. I don't know if he is going to opt out or not, but so pretty much right now, their their number one wide receiver is the kid they drafted out of Baylor, uh, Denzel Sims. Mims? Uh, anyways, uh, we'll have to Nick, – Nick will get that answer for me. And so that presents an interesting solution, but Debo Samuel should be back at the same time Antonio Brown's suspension's up, so I don't know how likely that is. Really, there's a ton of teams that would love to have him. Uh, Minnesota Vikings was an interesting uh, spot as well, but I just don't know if anyone's going to pull a trigger. Someone will. I just don't know who. What was the what was that kid's name? All right, then drafted Arizona State wide receiver Brandon. Oh, great, Brandon Ayuk. Yeah, yeah. I said the wrong. The Baylor kid. Who did he get drafted to? Anyways, that's enough thinking out loud. <laughs> the new Monday Night Football announce crew was leaked. It still hasn't been confirmed, but it has a whole lot of promise. So, so Steve Levy has done a lot of broadcasting for a lot, lot of years and does a lot of college football. Really good, really good broadcaster. Brian Greasy's not terrible. You know, he's not going to 
wow you and not going to make you tune in to listen to him. But then they added Lewis Riddick as well to complete the three-man booth. And Lewis Riddick knows him some gosh darn football. And I honestly, I was like, for not having any big names, I was actually shockingly surprised. But it might be because the bar was set so low the, <laughs> the last couple of years. Yeah, you're not joking. Uh, Denzel Mims got drafted by the Jets. Denzel Mims. There we go. Yeah, I I don't really know. I know, like, I know Steve Levy is is pretty good. I know Lewis Riddick knows a lot about football. I, I haven't really seen Brian Greasy talk, but I mean, it can't be can't be worse than what we had before, right? Yeah, absolutely not. And you know, as long as there's no booger, God bless us. Yeah, yeah, as long as there's no booger in the in the old person's chair on the sideline. Take us through these uh, NHL bubble play thus far. Yeah, so NHL bubble play, bubble play. For some reason, I had it in my head that they've played a lot more. But uh, right now, I, I guess the surprises for me are kind of the the low seeds are dominating in the West. Uh, Chicago's up one nothing. They're a twelve seed. Arizona's up one nothing. They're an eleven seed. Minnesota's up one nothing. They shut out Vancouver. Uh, Chicago beat Edmonton ten six to four. The Arizona game and. The Arizona game was close. It was one goal, but Minnesota shut out Vancouver three nothing. They're a ten seed. I don't think they're a, they're a team anybody wants to play. The Minnesota Wild right now. No, absolutely not. Montreal beat Pittsburgh. That was kind of surprising, but they had Whoa. to beat him in overtime. Montreal is the twelve seed again, and that's an awesome series, man. To get to get the first to get it on the first uh, the bubble, and then obviously last night and, and there's games going on right now. But last night the Hurricanes won. Not surprising, they're the six seed, so they're up two zero on the Rangers, and they have a chance tomorrow to clinch to close them out. Yeah, that's right, to close them out. Yeah, so and, and that that's not surprising. The Hurricanes are good, and I think the Hurricanes also in the East are a team that nobody wants to face because they're a good young team, and and we both know, and the reason that we both love hockey is that because really any team can beat anyone. I, I don't think that. The Bruins or the the Lightning want to face Carol want to face Carolina, especially if they blow out the Rangers and get hot. Nobody wants to face a team like that. Absolutely not. The number one seeds in hockey is is almost like the kiss of death. Some years, it's unbelievable the shocking upsets that you can be hit with. Just ask the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Speaking of somebody no one wants to face, pitchers in the MLB are running in terror at a man named Aaron judge right now. Oh my God, dude. So he's so Aaron judge has, has homered in five straight games. They're playing tonight. I don't, I don't know if he's homered tonight. I'll, I'll take a look at that in a second, but he has homered in five straight games. They, he, in his last, this last week, obviously he was named AL player of the week. He's hitting 368 with six home runs and 13 RBIs in the week, nine runs so far on the, on the week and it's crazy because he's had such a good week that it has overshadowed Nick Castellanos in Cincinnati who was the NL player of the week and who hit 429 with four home runs and 10 RBIs and seven runs which is incredible yeah but, that's that 429 average is just staggering to look at over the course of that week but judge, uh, judge does not have a home run but he's two for three so far Game yeah. at the bottom of the sticks, by the way. 3-1, Phillies are down. Yep. Yeah, so, those, are mean, some, those are some hitting performances. So it seems like we had really good pitching performances to start uh, MLB with Kyle, Kyle Hendricks throwing the complete game. 
And then we had uh, 27 Ks over the first two starts. Then we had nine straight Ks by the Detroit Tigers pitcher. And now we're seeing some, you know, pretty spectacular hitting. So it's been a very entertaining season thus far. And I have to agree with Rob Manfred for once. It's not something this podcast does often. And it'll probably never happen again. But no reason to quit now. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of annoyed at this too, right? Because Rob Manfred just said last week that if the MLBPA doesn't get the doesn't get their coronavirus in check, that he's going to quit play. And now he's saying no reason to quit now. Like three days later, after he made that, like get the fuck out of here, Manfred. Just, just stop. Just stop putting stuff out. Just stop talking. Every time you talk, it, it, the MLB stock just goes lower and lower, right? If if we had that stock on Wall Street, investors would be running for the hills every time Manfred talks. Do you think um, the MLB would prefer Roger Goodell right now? I think the MLB would prefer a, a, a monkey right now, a monkey with a blowtorch besides Rob Manfred. At least they could justify it as he's a monkey with a blowtorch. <laughs> that would be awesome to just see anyways. <laughs> just for now, a message from the MLB commissioner. Mike Trout was put on a paternity leave, so he's expecting, I believe, his first child, and it's supposed to be a baby boy. Yeah, well, they they he actually had his son already. Ah, okay. he had his son already. They named him. Get this, Beckham Aaron Trout. If those for those of you hard headed people who listen to this podcast, those are the initials Bat B A T. Uh, Beckham Trout already has a baseball reference page, uh, <laughs> which which brought which brought kind of yeah. shenanigans is that, dude? Yeah, he already has a baseball reference page. Um, which brought me to the question. I was thinking of famous baseball kids, famous baseball sons, and why are they so? Res- and and I kind of expanded it to all sports. Why are kids of famous players so resoundingly bad? That's my first part of the question, Jermaine. I don't, dude. It's mostly because we only know about the kids of the all-time greats. And they have no shot of living up to it most times anyways. That's yeah. my that's my I'm sticking with it. Now the second part of the question is what are some examples of good kids? So I thought uh Steph Curry's probably one. Um you can probably say do you what what do you have? I came up with I came up with one and it was Ken Griffey Jr. Griffey's a good one, yeah. Maybe I mean like I couldn't. I don't know. Like else, the, the Toronto Blue Jays are basically a team that's driven by former players' sons right now, with Calvin Biggio, Bo Bichette, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. So we'll we'll see how they pan out. But it doesn't seem like like kids of famous baseball players turn out very well. And again, it's baseball, and it's it's a very hard sport to break into. But that just that just got me thinking. Let us yeah. know who you, let, let us know if we're missing anybody like resoundingly bad right now. Or like resoundingly good, like we're just. I doubt it because they're historically so bad. Just we're just gonna hurt. we're just gonna recap a little football news real quick. Arsenal defeated Chelsea two one for the FA Cup title. Uh, PSG PSG defeated Lyon six five on penalty we'll just, shootout. Let me just say a couple of things about that Chelsea thing. Uh, great game. I should have picked Arsenal. I felt like Arsenal was going to win that game, and. Our boy, 
podcast oh, favorite Pulisic went down with a hamstring injury. Did you see the video of him going down with it? He still shot it like a G. He, bro. he he was probably about ten yards outside the eighteen yard box when you could see his hamstring go, and he started screaming and still managed to plant and get the shot off before he fell down. That's what a here's, wishing, here's wishing him a fast recovery. Hopefully, he's not out out for that long. Sorry, it I interrupted you. It looks like a severe injury, too, so that's really not good. But PSG defeated Lyon 6-5 on penalty shootout for the Copa de la Ligue trophy. And then uh, Sirio – dude, I don't even know how to say his name. Immobile. (laughs) Sirio Immobile. I don't – all right. I think we're saying it. It said one of two ways, immobile or immobile. (laughs) And I'm going to say immobile. It's not even an American name, though. I mean, I'll get on. I'll get on Google Translate here while you while you tell the people what he's done. That man scored thirty five goals on the year and has won the Golden Shoe. Stole it from Lewandowski. No, Lewandowski let him win it by being a bum. <laughs> by not playing. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, Brandon Ingram just hit a filthy cross. Immobile, apparently. Okay. Immobile is how they is how Google Translate says it's pronounced. Okay. So he wins. He wins the golden shoe. Good for him. And I mean, that's. I mean, it. It, it may be a credit that uh, that you know the Syria plays for three weeks after the German or the the German Bundesliga and the Premier League end, but. Whatever. Do you know it's been Ronaldo has not won the gold has not won a golden boot since 2013-2014. I did not know how, that. No. How shocking is that? He's always the bridesmaid, never the bride since 2013-2014. He's and it's so silly cuz he's the best player. He just scored 31 goals at 36 years old. It didn't win. You you, <laughs> you sent me a meme that was like here's what different soccer players were doing at the age of of 35 35 and it's like Pele was in the MLS. Uh Maradona's back in Argentina. Maradona was in Argentina. And so, man, who's the other legend that was also not doing anything? Just bumming it up. But uh anyways, Ronaldo's over here winning trophies and scoring 31 goals in Serie A. Like no big right. deal. The PGA Championship is is this weekend. Yeah, so the first major first major championship. So Justin Thomas right now is the favorite. He's he's plus nine sixty right now. Brooks Kepka kept Jesus, Brooks Kepka is the defending champ. He's plus nine eighty five. Tiger Woods obviously on the list uh to play. He's plus twenty five seventy five. And but Jermaine, because we are a, a sports gambling podcast, I have a little statistic that I looked up and found via the uh athletic app. <laughs> I looked it up on the athletic app. Only twice in the last 20 years has the PGA winner not finished inside the top 30 in his last tournament and not had a previous win, a previous tour win that year. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So he finished in the top 30 in his last tournament and he had a previous tour win. Didn't have to be a major or anything like that. There are seven players, Jermaine, that are on this this list that are playing at the PGA this week. Obviously, Justin Thomas, he's the favorite. He's probably who my money's going to go on. Justin Thomas. Webb Simpson is next. 
or I'll, I'll, I'll go in terms of, I'll go in terms of, of odds rankings. Uh, Bryson DeChambeau is next. He's at plus 1360. Justin Dutt. Jesus, I can't talk. DJ Dustin Johnson is at plus 1850. Uh, Webb Simpson and Daniel Berger are, bu- are both plus 2800. Uh, Colin uh, Murakawa is at uh, 2820. And Andrew Landry also fits in this is at plus 30,000, Jermaine. 30,000 30, to win. So here's here's what I have for you. If you want to if you want to pick if you want our pick, it's going to be Justin Thomas, right? He's the fave. He's the guy uh, to go with. If you like a little bit of nostalgia, put a little bit of money on Tiger Woods. Uh, if you want to pick any of those other uh, six people that we mentioned, five people that we mentioned with those odds, it would probably be a decent pick. And then if you like long shots and dark horses to win, Andrew Landry. Put ten bucks on Andrew Landry, and he can win you uh, a sizable amount of money. So let's ride. So we're obviously going to ride. Just kidding. I'm uh, I'm not riding. So, so I made I, secretly. I will bet. Anyways, I'm picking Dustin Johnson to win it. I don't know why you said we're picking the favorite, Justin Thomas. Okay. Well, when it gets posted on Room Three Hundred Three, as Justin Thomas is winning the PGA Championship this weekend. Boo. Dustin Johnson plus eighteen fifty. Put a hundred dollars on it. Walk away with one thousand eight hundred and fifty dollars, like a grown man. Post it. Post the pictures on the Instagram if you're serious. I'll I'll deposit money just to make that bet. Okay. Yes, I'm watching golf my birthday weekend. Yes, so. <laughs> uh, so I've been I, waiting for this topic, and so, so I, I made a bold prediction. It. I made a bold prediction at the beginning of oh the Rockies are up one nothing. I made a bold prediction at the beginning of the show, and the beginning of oh, actually not the beginning of the show, the beginning of the MLB season. And I said after ten games are played, I will tell you beyond a shadow of a doubt. Bet your kids' college fund, bet the house, bet the car, bet the four hundred one k that this team is going to win the World Series. Drum roll, please, Jermaine. But. I already know the answer, so I'm very, I'm very disappointed. It's going to be the Los Angeles Dodgers. Boo, Doug. They're seven and three right now. They're seven and three. Their best pitcher in Clayton Kershaw, low key uh, Cy Young prop, by the way, that I bet just came back from injury and had seven innings pitched, seven strikeouts. Walker Buehler, their second best pitcher, and also more favored than Kershaw to win the Cy Young, has made one abbreviated outing because they don't want to use his arm yet. Cody Bellinger, who won the MVP last year, is off to a terrible start. And believe me, I hate bumping up the Dodgers right now. But also, Jock Peterson and Justin Turner haven't even homered yet this year. And the reliever, Will Smith, has struggled. Joe Kelly is is out for eight games, which, which is equivalent of 22 games. And guess what? The Dodgers lead the majors in run differential with plus 30. Through 10 games, they have scored 30 more runs than their opponents. That's almost 10. That's seven runs better than the next closest team, the New York Yankees. It's going to be the Dodgers. Put everything on the Dodgers to win. Uh, First of all, everything you just said is wrong absolutely incorrect do not follow nick it's going to be an al dark horse 10 games in minnesota twins book it plus 22 run differential 
way better than the Yankees plus 14. I don't know where you got the seven runs better. Bum, just giving false information. They're seven and two, five and one at home, two and one away. Let's go. It's going to be the Twins. I don't want to hear nothing about your Dodgers. NL ain't cutting it. They're bums, all of them bums. Find them and cut that whole league. It's American League, Minnesota Twins. Book it. Doug, Doug, you, you are literally hoping that old ass pitchers get the job done. And a bull and a sketch it's, bullpen. It's and a ninety sketch, game season. A sketch. It's a sixty game season. A well, sketch with the playoffs. With the a playoffs, sketch. A sketch bullpen with a guy that's not proven in Taylor Rogers. It's it's and and good good. The Minnesota the the yeah because Kershaw's so proven. They like to get there and lose. They're the bridesmaids, bro. Kershaw is not proven in the playoffs. He's ass water. He was not ass water last year. Did they win? No, it's because they yeah, got ex- No, they did not. They lost to the Nationals, and then the Nationals went on and did what the Dodgers couldn't do the several years before that, beat the cheaters. Cheated. Nationals did it without a bullpen, which was everyone's talking about no bullpen. The Dodgers, the Dodgers, play, in the 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 Dodgers play in the NL West, which has the best team on planet Earth, the Colorado Rockies in it, and Colorado is hot right now. Who do the Twins play? The they AL play Central? The they, yeah. They, AL Central mean, and and they have to play against the bum ass NL Central. Not a well, chance. Well rested. Yeah, well AL Central rested. and they got to play the NL Central. So they play the bum ass AL Central. Thank God I get slogged by the NL Central, which has four teams that could win the National League pennant. When the Dodgers have to play the NL West, which has three teams that could finish last in the NL League or the the NL the National League. And the AL West, which aside from the Astros, is a bummy league. Talk. It's going to be the Dodgers all day long. No way, dude. They're not even making the playoffs. (laughs) (laughs) Miss me. You better miss me with that all the way. I was texting you the other day, and I was like, how did we do this whole talk about who has the most pressure to win a title right now? And we didn't even think about a team who was like fourth in the West at the time in the Utah Jazz. And I asked you, and I was like, why is it that I just don't consider them contenders? Yeah, it it was kind of shocking to find out that they were fourth in the West. I just, I don't think that they're, I mean, you you don't don't really hear them talked about that much. I mean, they, they have a lot of stars. So they have two good stars in, in Donovan Mitchell and, and Rudy Gobert. I I just I maybe they're over maybe I didn't think of them because they're just overshadowed in the West by by other good teams. I mean I, I don't think they have they don't have the star power of the Rockets and the Lakers. I don't think they're as I don't think they're as physical as the Nuggets, and I don't think they're as athletic as the Thunder. So I never really consider them a contender and they haven't really played that well in the restart. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, that's, that's, but that, that's why I didn't consider them is because they're just not. They're, I mean, if we're going off, not that well in the restart, LeBron is statistically, he's not playing very well right now, but <laughs> nobody's worried about LeBron. LeBron. Uh, so Jermaine, Jermaine. Let me look up some LeBron stats for you in the playoffs. It's LeBron. (laughs) 
said every LeBron fan ever when you say anything that he's underperforming. Underperforming. He's 35 years old. Bring us some stats. Oh yeah, dude, it's the worst. It's it's like, have you seen his? Have you seen his stats? I'm like, I've seen his losses. Gio Jordan is doing 35. Gio Jordan is doing 35. Oh, I love it. I love how that's always the topic of conversation. Like nothing else is happening in the hoops world. It's so absurd. LeBron, LeBron was playing against grown ass men. Jordan was playing against orthodontists and mailmen. Oh, dude, it's dumb. What can I say? It's dumb. Yeah, so that's that's honestly why I I don't consider the I don't think about them because they're because I I think there's they're, they're sandwiched between teams that I think are really good that that I just named the Nugs, the Thunder, the Rockets, the Lakers. And teams that I want, the, the teams that have that kind of like underdog appeal to them, the Pelicans, the Grizzlies, the the Trailblazers, and, and teams that I really want to see in the playoffs because I don't think any team wants to face Portland right now. And I don't no. think any team wants to face a good Memphis team when Jaw's on. I don't think any team wants to face a Pelicans team where Alonzo Ball and Zion Williamson are hooping. They definitely, but, so right now the Grizzlies, they look, rough in the restart and it's kind of disappointing because they were playing so well but so i do actually i feel like the grizzlies aren't making the playoffs but yeah nobody wants to see that portland team and nobody wants to see the pelicans i mean they might want to see the pelicans just because of the media coverage but it's so weird because the utah jazz i don't i even now talking about them i can't come up with a reason why to consider them (laughs) I mean, it's, it's all the reasons I named, right? Because there's there's teams above them that you think are clearly better. And there's teams below them that you think that teams don't want to face. But when you get to the Jazz, you go, I mean, they're the fourth seed, but... I mean, they're there. What what have they done that is like... I don't know. I, I don't I don't think they... I don't know. That's, that's, that's the wide securious case. That's why we're talking about them, because we just... They're not the they're fourth, but I don't think they're the fourth best team in the Western Conference. No, I don't. I don't think so. I think if you gave the Lakers a choice right now between facing the Utah Jazz and and facing the Portland Trailblazers, they would overwhelmingly take the Jazz. Yeah, I'm. Yeah, that's. A, I believe that's a fair point. It's just I. They got the number some, four team in the West. They gotta have something. We're missing something. I, and for the life of me, I can't guess it, man. And if and if you if you don't know, I sure as hell don't know. It's like Donovan Mitchell is a ball dominant guard, but sometimes I feel like he's not as good as his rookie season alluded to. And and Rudy Gobert is a is a glass cleaning big who can also shoot from mid range, but sometimes I feel like he just goes away, like he's just not there, and he and gets then, dominated by the bigger guys in the league. And then Mike Conley. Uh, I mean, he's old now, and he's not really—he's not really hitting shots anymore. He's not really—he's he, not really as big a threat anymore. And then Bogdan Bogdanovich is not with the team anymore because he hurt his wrist. Well, not with—he's with the team, but he's not playing right now because he's hurt. And then you look at their suspect lineup of other role players, and none of them jump out as being an X factor. I mean, Joe Ingles. Eh. You know, he's, he's all right. Like, I'm not riding home for any of the Utah Jazz players. He like, goes as a poor man's Brian Scalabrini. <laughs> you give me crap about, about Alex Smith and you're saying that, dude? <laughs> oh, man. It's just 
I don't I don't know what it is. Utah does not have it. They are, their GM really needs to to get busy in this offseason and make something happen. Um, and I'm always trying to trade this dude just because I don't want to see him on the Wizards anymore, but I really want to see Bradley Beal get traded somewhere. And Bradley Beal to the Utah Jazz has a whole lot of appeal. I don't know exactly how him and Donovan Mitchell would work. It'd be more of a it'd be a more of a Hydra style attack like Russell Westbrook and James Harden, where you just have two ball dominant guards and you just give them high usage rates and say put in work. But yeah, I think we'd bury the Utah Jazz enough. I mean, but it's not really a buried job because they're good. But like, why? Like how? how? <laughs> I know you good, but like how? But like, you guys got bodied by the Thunder. They didn't even they didn't even show up, dude. You know, like it's just. I mean, the, like Royce O'Neal is your your fifth starter. Like, it, yeah, I I, I don't. I don't know. They're they're just so they don't have any athleticism. I mean, Jordan Clarkson took seventeen shots on Saturday. Seventeen. Ask me how many he made. Eight of them. Four. <laughs> that a boy. Hey, shoot or shoot. <laughs> like, there's just you're just looking at it. It's it's like I feel like their coach needs to get more more praise like Quinn Snyder just talking about this Quinn Snyder might make might have to make my coach of the year list now uh, because he's super overachieved with this team well we so so we talked about the curious case of the Utah Jazz just now and that was a very much unknown but you have the NBA awards which are your very much known things so let's start from everybody's favorite the flashy position the what our trivia question was based on who are your who are your so give me your i think it's gonna win it and then give me your dark horse for it let me let me hear those okay so and and by the way just just to clarify for everybody you told me this earlier and i didn't know this the nba awards are set already they do not factor in the restart and they don't factor in the they obviously wouldn't factor in the playoffs but they don't factor in the restart Correct. They don't factor in the restart. So they actually did voting between the 21st and the 28th. So the voting's actually already done. The awards won't be announced until the playoffs, and they usually do it on the uh, TNT show. Or I, they might actually have their own awards ceremony now, but that might be after the season. Anyways, I digress. The MVP, the most valuable players, the award that most people care about, right? The casual fans. And it's literally um, it's literally a two-horse race. You know, there's some other people that you can consider, but it's there, it's not really. It's between LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks, who is the reigning MVP. And so Honestly, I don't have any qualms if it goes either way, but I gave the edge to LeBron James despite how dominant Giannis has been on defense and how just otherworldly he's been statistically for that team. Uh, I gave the edge to LeBron James because he leads the league in assists. And 
for a team that needed him to be a playmaker, he stepped up and was the playmaker, and he leads the league in assists. I, let me repeat that. LeBron James is leading the league in assists. So I gave the edge to LeBron James for winning the MVP this year. Okay. My dark horse, and so, you know, you have James Harden in that conversation always because the dude balls, but my dark horse for the MVP is Damian Lillard for the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, he, this year he had one of those ridiculous stretches where he's just dropping 40 a game for like eight games just to keep the, the Trailblazers within striking distance of the playoffs because Yusuf Nurkic was out the whole, the whole season, just barely came back for the restart. Zach Collins was hurt. Carmelo missed some games. CJ McCollum missed some games. Like, Damian Lillard was out there suiting up with like former G League MVPs trying to piece it together. Him and Gary Trent Jr. like trying to win ball games. And I'm like, how in the world is this squad even there? They had to get Whiteside in there, and everyone makes fun of Hassan Whiteside. And that's how bad this team was. They didn't have anyone. He kept them within striking distance. And right now, it's looking like they have a very strong possibility of making the playoffs. And Yusuf Nurkic is back healthy. He just he just dominated inside the paint yesterday. He makes that team drastically different. They have size to go up with teams with size. They have wing play to go with teams with wings. This is a very scary team if they make the playoffs. Granted, they're going to go against the Lakers in the first round. <laughs> and I'm not betting the Trailblazers to beat the Lakers. But Which is, we, we said earlier the Lakers don't want to see the Trailblazers, but that's at, not the Lakers aren't going to beat the Trailblazers. Yeah, 100%. They are just the, a much more formidable foe than the option that the Grizzlies are presenting right now, which is sad to say because I was really excited to get John Moran on that stage, build the Memphis Grizzlies back up, bring some more notoriety to a small market team. But that doesn't look like it's going to happen. I mean, they just got handily beat by the Pelicans, who are another team trying to make that playoff seed. So it'll be interesting. As long as they may hold on to the A seed when the play-in games come, they only have to win one game while the ninth seed has to win two. So that's still an option. Moving on to defensive player. So statistically, this is just endorsed rather absurdly about how dominant he's been on defense this year. Hands down is going Giannis and Tentacupo. Um, other people in consideration. So quick question for you, Jermaine. If Giannis wins MVP, does he also win defensive player? I'd be shocked if he didn't. Okay. Okay. I don't know if that's ever happened before. I'm sure it has, but um, yeah, that's, He's just been that good on defense this year. Rudy Gobert and Anthony Davis are the other two that rounded out. I'd actually, if I was ranking it, it'd be Giannis, Davis, Gobert. And Davis has been, I mean, obviously he's a top five player in the league. So so I'm not saying anything that's shocking. So this is always one of my favorite awards every year. I love this award because I'm all about seeing player growth. I like watching players progress their career from year in, year out. And, you know, like teams who actually stay with the player and give them chances and groom him and build him and work with him, like the Bucks did with Giannis. It's the most improved player award. I've, this one was so tough because there's three players that really jump out. 
and that have such a strong possibility of winning this award. And so the three options are Jason Tatum, Brandon Ingram, and Bam Adebayo. And I actually went with Bam Adebayo as the as the winner for most improved, just because nobody expected this from him, right? Nobody expected him to lead his team in assists. Nobody expected him to do, you know, to, to be this good. He was an all-star this year. He's, he's got like an 8.3 win share. He's got a 20.7 player efficiency rating, which the league average is 15. I mean, just overall, the dude has come to ball. He's averaging a double double. And so I really think that Bam, you know, deserves the most improved this year. Not that the other two aren't in consideration. They'll probably, the other two will probably end up being historically better players, but this year, most improved goes to Bam. Do, would, would you say that on, on, on a given year, most improved goes to the player who comes out of nowhere or would you say it's more the player like a Brandon Ingram, a Jason Tatum that had such high expectations the year prior and failed to live up to them, and then is living up to those kind of 2019 expectations we had of them? Man, that's a good question. I would say it's m- more often than not. Thank you. I'm a professional podcaster. <laughs> uh, more often than not, it's... it's um. The player that had lofty expectations. I would say it's more, I don't know. It's, it's a combination of both. So it, it really, we have a cop out everybody. It's not that we didn't think these players were going to be good. It's just that we didn't see them taking that leap that specific year. You know what I mean? Like previous winners is like Jimmy Butler won. That one was out of nowhere. No one expected Jimmy Butler to become that good especially in that season, right? Paul George won one. Uh, CJ McCollum won one for his his big leap. You know, then you had sleepers like Hito Turkaloog, who took a late jump when he was like in his 30s. You had Danny Granger who blew onto the scene and then blew out just as quickly. Um, you know, and so more often than not, it's guys that you, you knew had talent, but you were just never expecting it from. So I would say it's a it's from out of nowhere. It's more from out of left corner. It's like okay. they they kind of floundered for four years, didn't didn't show much. They showed flashes, and then all of a sudden, boom! It just clicks. They hit a new maturity level. They just have a different coach that hits them a different way. They're hitting different drills, or and they just start playing with a different confidence. Building and your so, case for Bam out of bio, then. Yeah, and so I, that's why I went with Bam Adebayo. Like Brandon Ingram uh, was thrust into the spotlight at a young age. <laughs> had Kobe as a teammate, had LeBron as a teammate, and LeBron does not like waiting for young players. Nor, I mean, maybe you should a little, maybe maybe not all the time. But he was, you know, LeBron was thirty four at the time. So, and then Brandon Ingram had that whole saga get shipped out finally gets to a team that lets him just go out and hoop no shenanigans and then you see what he does and then jason tatum has been kind of teasing this this elite level jump since his rookie year but he just finally put it all together and it's on the back of his three game his three-point jumper has developed so well that it's it's pretty impressive so 
we'll touch bases on the next two rather quickly because they're pretty straightforward. It's the six man year, the uh, six man of the year award. Lou Williams uh, has won the last two years. He's again on this list. And then the other two options that I had were Dennis Schroeder, point guard for Oklahoma City Thunder, and then Montrez Harrell. I'm giving it to Harrell just because of his efficiency rating and win shares, uh, just as well as like you can see his impact on the game every time he comes in. He's all energy. He's all hustle. He just continues to battle for that team and he's an undersized center which you gotta love and uh yeah so 18 and 8 i think he's gonna be the sixth man of the year and then rookie of the year i mean that race was locked up when zion got hurt i'm pretty i'm pretty sure you could tell me who the rookie yeah that's that's it's gonna be john morant first of all i feel like i feel like rookie of the year now this is just from an outside guy who really only watches the nba until the playoffs but i feel like the rookie of the year is always the one that espn puts on the most like in terms of, I, I very rarely in the in my adult life seen a rookie of the year who doesn't also have a great accompanying highlight tape, even though maybe some rookies might have better stats. Do you agree or disagree? Uh yeah, you can make that. You can you can make that case sometimes. Uh, now, so now, now this year, I don't think I think the case is made. John Morant is balling and also puts up crazy good highlights. So. Yeah, and so, I mean, he locked this up early. When Zion went down to the fact that he was balling and then he was overachieving with this Grizzlies squad, most assuredly, like, he had this from the beginning. So For sure. There's always there's always those, those rare exceptions for Rookie of the Year winners. It's typically, like, when the draft classes aren't that good. Like, there's not that surefire star. Um, but, yeah, <sighs> I mean, it's John Morant. John Morant looks fantastic. And one of the reasons why the ESPN pushes it so heavy is because ESPN is a broadcast partner with um, the NBA for a rather long time. They put on a lot of games. So they have a lot of uh, cachet with them. And NBA switched to a marketing strategy post-Jordan when they realized their league was lost that star power. And they switched their marketing strategy to to rebuild the NBA and make it a more global brand by specifically spotlighting players, vice teams, right? So at the turn of the century, (laughs) at the turn of the century, it stopped being Lakers, Celtics, Pistons, Knicks, Bulls, Sixers, Suns, right? Rockets, Spurs, and stopped being the teams that were known for being good. And it started being Kobe Bryant, Shaq, Allen Iverson, Tim Duncan, Kevin Garnett, you know, uh, as much as we make fun of Paul Pierce, Paul Pierce was one of those players. And so they started talking about players, vice teams. It's pretty interesting. And so when they did that, that's why the rookie of the year race became such a highlighted thing because they could highlight specific players that were going to be, um, quote unquote, the future. You know, and that's that's why they follow those races so close, and then they follow the MVP race so closely. And they and at the end of the, at the end of the year, you always see ESPN really, really, really likes to drum up the likes to drum up the MVP drama, and they'll they'll start like showing side by side comparisons of what the players did that night, and then if they play head to head, they'll spotlight the head to head matchup, and they'll be like MVP contenders, and you know that's exactly how they built the rivalry between James Harden and Giannis. And so that's just a marketing strategy of how the NBA has, has helped 
position themselves into the second biggest sport in the United States. And oddly enough, at that same time, they position themselves as the second biggest sport worldwide. It's become such a global phenomenon. They have such a huge footprint because of the way they've changed their marketing strategy. Very, very interesting. Yeah, I didn't. I mean, that it, it makes sense now that you think about it. But you, I mean, you you can definitely see the transition between you know teams where like we we used to think of like Boston Celtics, L.A. Lakers, the bad boys of the '90s in Detroit, Chicago Bulls. They won three. Yeah, New yeah. York Knicks. They were always the New York Knicks. You never really heard about really players. Yeah, it was like they had stars, but they didn't spotlight them the way they did. And so one of the one of the first people to help push the NBA out of teams and into stars was Allen Iverson. Because Allen Iverson, Allen Iverson transcended everything. He be, he was he was a more rugged Michael Jordan, and his star power at peak Iverson r- rivaled you know um, you know maybe. 91 Jordan, not, not height peak Jordan. Cause I don't think very rare, very few people will ever reach peak Jordan as far as like international star, but Allen Iverson had transitioned into fashion. He transitioned into music. He was one of the essential core pieces that merged the NBA and the hip hop scene. And so it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating to see that, that, that paradigm shift that the NBA over overtook at the turn of the century. Yeah, good points. I mean, I, I I don't know what to say. You said it all. I can definitely see it happening. Definitely see it happening. And and back to my point. That's why the rookie of the year race is decided by the dude that has the most highlights on ESPN normally. Most of the time, yeah. And then this gets into our bread and butter. We're we're more the nerd side of it. Obviously, we love the athletics, the competition, the sport itself, and you know, wins and losses. But. I really get into coaches and executive years. But really, you can say all that stuff is just the final product, which is really easy. That's like putting icing on top of a cake. You got to have a good baker to make a good cake. Any any person can put icing on top of a cake. Very true. And with that being said, we're going to coach of the year. So there's a few really good options for coach of the year uh i narrowed it down to two and then threw in a dark horse based on our (laughs) based on our (laughs) the curious case of the utah jazz conversation so quinn snyder is my dark horse just because we dissected it and we really can't come up with anything other than coaching yeah that's i mean that's they have to be good somehow And so, with that being said, we put him as dark horse. But I is there is, is, is there any statistic in basketball that factors in luck, sort of like a baseball Pythagorean win loss? Do you know? That is, that's a good question. I don't know that. Can we just see if the Jazz are just super lucky? <laughs> we we'll have to get back on that for sure. We we'll have to look that up. But I don't think anything. So baseball has one hundred thousand million stats. So that's why they always have like those ones with luck. Yeah, but but I don't know if basketball has anything like that. So basketball is barely starting to get really into the advanced analytics with the plus minuses of the box scores and the player efficiency ratings and win shares and stuff like that. Um, and they're also trying to quantify defense, you know, more effectively 
so that way you can actually know who's good at defense. But that that's a that's a more recent last decade mm-hmm. kind of turn after they saw what Theo Epstein and and the Oakland A's and Moneyball did in baseball. They kind of started pushing the analytics into the NBA. Yeah, Theo and Epstein so, and Billy Bean. Yeah, yeah. Well, Theo Epstein wasn't with Oakland A's, was he? No. Okay. But yeah. you said Theo Epstein and the Oakland A's. I just didn't want people to get confused thinking that Theo Epstein was the was the reason that the Oakland A's. Oh yeah, I just didn't remember the guy's name, Billy yeah. Bean. Theo, but, he's a reason. He's a reason that Theo Epstein is so good because he could have accepted a, a contract offer to Boston to be their GM, but he declined it. Oh wow! And so it's another Epstein, what if Theo Epstein another took that instead. Yeah. Wow. So they offered it. So Boston offered him I did at not the time. Know that. Boston offered him at the time a record salary, like blew everybody else out of the water in terms of GM because they saw what he did with Oakland. And they basically came in with the strategy, hey, we saw what you could do with a low, with a small market team in Oakland. And you lost Giambi, Jason Isringhauser, and Johnny Damon. You lost all three of those players and you were better. They're like, come, they're like, come, come, come to the side where you get 250 million a year and see what you can do. (laughs) And he was like, he was like, it's tempting, but, uh, no damn that takes some cojones to say no to that uh well that with that being said the coach of the year i have this year is billy donovan in oklahoma city thunder uh you'll see the trend continuing with executive of the year that's a little foreshadowing but i I personally did not see the oklahoma city thunder being this good i didn't think they were going to be uh bottom five in the in the league i did not think they would be at the start of the NBA restart, they were the fourth seed, <laughs> which is shocking to think about. They lost two top 10 players last year. Two. In, and replaced them with Chris Paul. In the course of one season, they lost two, one offseason. Paul George and Russell Westbrook traded, stockpiled a crazy amount of first round picks. And I was just like, oh, they're clearly playing for the future. But they got such solid players back. Billy Donovan coached them up has a real solid core and and has just molded them into this unit that just plays terrific basketball and gets the job done. Uh, I feel like like more often, like, I I don't know how it happens. Maybe this is another curious case thing. How do the Thunder stay so good? They lose Kevin Durant. They're still good. They lose James Harden. They're still good. They lose Russell Westbrook. They're still good. Yeah, I'll I'll tell you the answer when we're talking about executive of the year. I'll (laughs) I'll stand by. A little more foreshadowing. Uh, So second runner-up to coach of the year at Nick Nurse for the Toronto Raptors just because he navigated that team, the loss of Kawhi and Danny Green, and the amount of injuries they had, which is crazy if you go look at the games missed by their their core. Uh, Van Bleet missed, I think, 10-plus. Lowry missed 10-plus. Gasol missed half the season it feels like and you know Ibaka missed games Pascal Siakam missed games and they but they finally got OJ and Anubi back and you know he kind of helped fill that Kawhi role uh Fred Van Vliet took a leap and he just somehow coached them up and in to the second seed <laughs> in the east so between those two if either one of those won or if they got co-coach of the year i wouldn't be upset but well also you you got to think from nick nurse's perspective it's a motivational thing the city of toronto doesn't need him to win another championship those players don't need to win another championship they're immortalized in toronto as the team that brought toronto an nba title and there's something to be said for a coach that can get the players 
sort of like a Bill Belichick, Joe Madden sort of thing where like, like, yeah, one's cool, but like y'all want to build a dynasty. (laughs) Yeah, dude, he's got him juiced, bro. And it might be just the fact that everyone doubted them. I mean, not your boy over here because I got Clippers Raptors in the finals. You did say that. Yep. So the executive of the year is Sam Presti. I mean, (laughs) we just talked about it. The dude does not miss in drafts. It's unbelievable how well he drafts, right? Lugan Dortz, I probably said his name wrong, but he was a small forward out of ASU, right? My buddies buried him because, you know, they're ASU fans. So they were just, they wanted him to stay. So (laughs) so that way ASU could keep being good. They buried him. They said he wasn't ready, this, that, and the other. Billy Donovan inserts him into the starting lineup 14 games before before the NBA season was canceled in the first place, and Oklahoma City cut, it takes an even bigger leap, right? So he drafted Serge Ibaka, James Harden, Russell Westbrook, Stephen Adams. Uh, man, who am I forgetting? Oh, Kevin Durant. <laughs> Is he good at basketball? <laughs> he drafted Andre Robertson. Uh, he drafted Jeremy Grant, who's no longer with the squad. The dude has a tremendous eye for evaluating talent, and that's how he keeps this team so level through the ups and downs, which is what you want in your general manager. Here's the thing. Not only did he get CP3 in the trade, right, who's a trade chip now because people still want CP3 because the dude hoops still at 35, right? He got Danilo Gallinari back. He got Shea Gilgis Alexander it's his eye for talent. Like Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be a real good ball player in this league. And he just continues to keep plugging away and piecing these teams together and making real good squads year in and year out. It's almost a detriment to his first round picks because <laughs> he never gets like the elite top pick because he's so good, but because he's so good, he doesn't need the elite top pick. Yeah, you, you already heard what I said about him. I mean, from a non-basketball fan looking at it, the Thunder are always in there. And not like just scraping in. Not like, oh, 9, 8, oh, 10. They, oh, it's going to come down to the final couple of games. No, they're they're pretty solidly 4 or 5 every year. Yeah, they're and, usually top half. So it's it's very impressive to see what he did. Again, I, I before you were putting this list together, I didn't know who that guy was. So <laughs> that just shows you how much I was like, boy, them Thunder are pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> so the uh, the other two people I have on that list is David Griffin for for just what he did with uh, you know the absolute shambles he was given in New Orleans with AD requesting the trade, you know, and just all the chaos that surrounded that. It really helps getting the first pick, but he did a real great job putting that team together around Zion. Jackson Hayes with the eighth pick after a trade back was a solid pickup. That dude's going to be an athletic go up and get it center in this league for eight years, probably eight to 10 years. Then he doubles down and gets Nikhil Alexander Walker. Um, And that dude has real good potential to be a solid backup guard in this league. Pair that with Lonzo Ingram and Hart coming over, uh, he stacked a lot of talent on that team really quickly in the, in the course of one flip of a season. So he's definitely on that. And then anytime you can trade for Anthony Davis, 
you're right? on this list. You're on this list, right? So shout out Rob Palenka for the Los Angeles Lakers. With that being said, that wraps up the Room 303 NBA Awards. It would be interesting. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save those awards. And when the NBA awards are announced, we'll go and we'll review what uh, what picks you hit and what picks you didn't. Yeah, I probably am going to miss quite a few because... <laughs> There's uh, the faith and confidence I know. Well, it's because you can't trust these sports writers. They're turds. <laughs> oh, that's for sure. I mean, you you got to understand my favorite sport is baseball, so... Oh, you I mean, know we, ha- we, ha- we have writers. the turdiest of sports writers. Dude, you guys got the crummudgeons of hashtag, hashtag let Barry Bonds into the hall. <laughs> Pete Rose is a Hall of Famer. So speaking of speaking of baseball turds, right, there, there's been a couple of positive tests so far. And, and it seemed like up until this certain team news came out, the positive tests were just what you would expect from teams really not being able to play in a bubble, right? Is that teams are traveling, guys are guys are at hotel. You know, you, you don't know what's happening at the hotel room that you stay in. You know, you just have interaction with a bunch of different people. Um, so the Marlins, the Phillies, the the Orioles, the Tigers, right? Everyone it kind of seen was just it just kind of starting off the season and and kind of being not having a bubble is the reason that this is happening until the St. Louis Cardinals gave us a fantastic segment for Feynman Cutham, Jermaine. Absolutely. Banging segment. Thank you for the layup. Welcome to Feynman Cutham. You bum. So the St. Louis Cardinals had positive tests and when they just internet, when they just announced it, um, it, it, you know, you, you get tested for COVID. They had 13 positive tests, seven players, six staff members. And they got announced and their games got canceled and it was, you know, whatever. And then we heard news that before getting their test results, so they knew that they were being tested. Before getting their test results, they were out golfing, members of the team were. And then, Jermaine, after getting positive test results, they were in the casino. <laughs> So they were positive for COVID in a casino gambling. They knew they knew that people were going to test positive. It may not have been the the jamokes in the casino themselves, but they knew that tests were coming with positive, and they still decided to go to a casino. I I seem to have every podcast where I make a rant about how how stupid baseball is doing, but I'll keep it to three sentences right now. They don't care. They got their money. They don't care about playing. And that's all That's all I'll say. And I think it's league-wide right now. The Cardinals are just the team that got caught with it. Baseball players don't care because they got their money and they don't really care about playing. Because right now, who is playing for? The fans. Sports writers and baseball players are going to look at the 60-game season and they're going to always put an asterisk by whoever wins the World Series. And they're going to say, well, you never know. It was only one-third of a season. That's so stupid. And you and I know they're both going to do that. So the players don't really care. If if the, the players in baseball, if they can get an extra, what is it, an extra two months in the off-season work, they would gladly put that in. And not have a chance to get injured, they'd gladly put that in. They They don't care. They don't care about it. They don't care about money. If Rob Manfred cancels the season, whatever. I got paid. Man, 
terrible. I really don't have anything to say because that's. It, it it seems that every MLB rant I make hits right on the bullseye for you because you just that's you just got. I don't have anything to say. Yeah, I mean, literally, I let you bury the MLB for ten minutes at the end of the last episode, and I just didn't say anything because I was like free Joe Kelly. I was like, Nick's got it, dog. <laughs> let, let me let me just say this again. A dude hit a woman with a chair that required stitches, and he got suspended less games than Joe Kelly did for making a bad face at the Astros. It's not it's not funny that he hit the woman with the chair. No, it's funny it that Joe Kelly made a bad face and said some mean words. Oh man, that because I, I always feel bad laughing at that, but it's just such a joke of a suspension when you phrase when you frame it like that. It's so ridiculous, man. Yeah, In- incredible. <sighs> Anyways, I'm going to go ahead and move on to the trivia because that's just asinine. I said I wasn't going to talk, and yeah, just move on to the trivia so I don't talk anymore. Uh, so the question was: How many multi-time winners of the NBA MVP award have there been? With a bonus question of how many of those won back-to-back awards? Uh, add one for Atutakimpo this year, for Giannis this year. Other than that, other than that, I don't know. Whatever the number is, plus one. Whatever the number is, this plus year, one. Yeah. Okay. All right. He heard it here first. Nick says book it. All right. So multiple winners is 13 in league history. Now, here's my question. Should I be shocked by that? Because I'm not really shocked by that. No, I, I feel like the NBA, that typically happens more often than not. Like, well, it's, he's, it's he's, very he's, impressive that like multiple winners of the MVP, but I feel like, uh, I mean, like that's in, in, I feel like it should be more almost. Yeah, probably. Especially when you, because. Th- there's a lot what, of there's a lot of multiple time winners in the MLB as well, though, isn't there? I don't think so. Um, I, I I'll look it up right now, but but my thing is no, nah, we'll we'll come back to that. We'll yeah, put but, that and Nick talks out of his ass. Next my week. thing is the the league has been around like the MVP has been around since or like mid fifties, maybe. So you got to think that's seventy years, and there's only been thirteen multiple winners. Yeah, but some of those are are like like Bill Russell, who's won fourteen yeah. million. Yeah, four or five. Yeah, <laughs> Kareem, Kareem, who they just gave the seventies MVP to. They're like, here, you're, you're just the seventies MVP. <laughs> yeah, uh, maybe I don't know. I'm I'm just not shocked by that number. And how many how many have won how many have won back to back awards out of those thirteen? Back to back is eleven. So it's kind of even more. It's it's even more impressive to win an MVP, not win it the next year and then win it again. That's the more <laughs> impressive thing. So you know what, Giannis, don't win it this year. It's not very impressive. <laughs> yawn. See you next yawn. season, buddy. Yeah, Giannis. <laughs> oh man. Well, we've come to that natural lull, better known as the end. Thank you for joining us for another fine edition of Room Three Hundred Three. I'm Jermaine Clo Mendez. This is Nicholas Morahan. Oh, I, thought you were gonna me, I thought you were going to let I, me say it that time. I, I was going to, and then you look so stoic in nature, and your microphone was just like off to the side. I was just like, ah, I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and finish this thought. 
Uh, follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast Room 303. Interact with us, make comments, bury us, whatever you want to do. Yeah, the NBA gambling model is humming right now, so also go to the page. We release daily picks, but keep in mind, if we keep hitting on these daily picks and we're up big, we're going to start making people pay a little bit of cheddar for it, right? I'm not just going to release these picks for free if I'm on fire. <laughs> but right now, right now, we're just doing it for fun, right? We're putting our own money into it, obviously, but... We do, uh, obviously, daily NBA picks. If there is one, we do a couple of parlays, too. Obviously, we're not counting the parlays against our units, and some of you may say that's cheap, but uh, it's our podcast, so. No, do parlays absolutely do not count. Parlays no, they don't. That's what I'm par- saying. Parlays is if you feel in fraud. Unless we win. Unless we win, and then I'm claiming no. 100, 100 extra units if I win them. No way. We're not adding that at all. If if I hit Adam Landry, a PGA champion this weekend, that's 100% going into my total unit count. That's going to balloon that number up. So absurd, dog. Oh, man. But like Jermaine said, obviously, thank you so much for the support. Keep giving us feedback. Keep following us. Keep tweeting at us, except for you, Jerome. That's all I got. Why are you just burying Jerome like that, bro? Because he buried me out of nowhere. Dude, chill out, okay? All right, Alex Smith is a poor man's Bobby Herbert. Intellectual Stereo signing out. Have a good one, ladies and gentlemen. Bye, everybody.